The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. It's good to be with you all this morning. Welcome. If you're new to Cornerstone, we're glad you're here this morning. How many know what a troglobite is? Anybody know? Raise your hand if you know what a troglobite is. No, nobody? What a troglobite is, it's a creature that lives in a cave. Um, most caves are so pitch black, it takes a special creature to live in a cave like this. In fact, they find their mates simply by touch, so essentially they marry their blind dates. Um, I just had to throw that in there. Um, this morning, we're going to see David as a troglobite. We've been following David through his journey towards being the king of Israel. And up to this point, it's been quite a journey for David. If you remember, we left off with him killing Goliath, which was an incredibly amazing victory. And he had gained great fame and success as a result of that. And of course, Saul was extremely jealous of that and was becoming more and more enraged at David because he knew that ultimately David would be the king. And that just ticked Saul off. And we know that Saul was very critical of David and tried to kill him a couple of times by throwing a spear and pinning him to the wall while David was playing the harp in his presence. And so David was in a very precarious place. And we're going to find this morning that that we're going to see David sort of on the run, if you will, from Saul because it was getting worse and worse. Saul was really in a place where he had a contract out on David, if you will. And so David knew that his life was in danger. And as a result, he ran. But how did he end up in a cave? Well, it's interesting when we run, when we're afraid of something, we have a tendency to run to different places before we really get to the right place. And this morning, perhaps some of you might be running. I don't know what you're running from. I don't know what you're running to. But some of us might be running from ourselves. We're we're struggling emotionally with some things in our own life. We're maybe running from some circumstances that have been really difficult for us. Maybe we're we're running just because we're simply afraid. We might be running from the thought of of death or the thought of financial uh, uh, struggles or whatever it is. But some of us are perhaps running, and here we find David running. And it's kind of odd because whatever David did, obviously he was successful, and and he didn't run from a lion and a bear, and he certainly didn't run from Goliath. But now we see him running. So I want you to notice where he runs to. Let's start in 1 Samuel chapter 20 with me. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 1. Then David fled from Nioth to Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to take my life? David was really struggling knowing that Saul was out to get him. And so the first person he runs to is who? His intimate friend. You remember we, we discovered how close David and Jonathan were last week. We discovered how every leader in training and any leader, perhaps, no matter who we are, we need that person that can have our back, that can be that encourager in our life, that be that person that can tell us the truth and we need to hear the truth in love. And so he goes to Jonathan first on his run and he says, what have I done? What's wrong? In verse 2, Jonathan says, never, Jonathan replied, you're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without confiding in me. Why would he hide this from me? It's not so. But we know from reality that it was so. 
And even though Jonathan tried to defend David to his father, his father was out to kill David. So he first starts to run to his friend. And isn't that what we have a tendency to do? We try to run to somebody when we're struggling. We try to find somebody who can kind of encourage us, somebody who's, who's, who's got our back, somebody that's really close to us. But it's not really always the answer. And so David runs from there to the church, which is kind of interesting. He runs to the priest. And look at chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. David went to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. Now Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread and whatever you can find. David lies to the priest. Now he was lying to the priest to protect him because if if the priest knew that David was really on the run and the priest helped him, and he didn't guard a secret mission, the priest's life would be in jeopardy from Saul for helping and embedding Dave, David. And so David wanted to, to try to, to diminish any kind of relationship with, with the priest. But he came to the priest to get some help. But unfortunately, somebody recognized him when he was at the temple, and he figured, oh man, i got to get out of here. Because they're going to go straight to Saul and squeal, and, and the priest is going to be in jeopardy. My life's going to be in jeopardy. So he flees. He runs again. Now what's really fascinating is where he runs. Look at chapter 22. David left Gath and escaped. I'm sorry, verse verse 10. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. Does Gath ring a bell with anybody? Where was Goliath from? Gath. Are you kidding me? Where did David run? He ran to his enemies. He couldn't find a refuge with his friend. He couldn't get get any kind of safety there. He couldn't find a refuge in the church. And where does he run? Are you kidding me? To the Philistines? Isn't it interesting when we're on the run, we look for love in all the wrong places? We're we're, we're trying to connect with sometimes the wrong people when we're on the run. We get so desperate sometimes. We're looking for anybody who will listen to me, anybody who will give me refuge, anybody who will take care of me. And sometimes it's the wrong people. And for some of you right now, you're running and you're hanging out with the wrong people and getting the wrong kind of counsel and the wrong kind of advice because you're so desperate, but you still haven't run to the right place yet. And that's to the Lord. So here's, here's David running to Gath, and in his distress, look at what it says. It says, um, that day David fled, and, and uh, isn't this David, the servants of Achish, the king of Gath said? Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they, they sing about in their dances? Saul had slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Oh dear, now David was in trouble because they recognized who he was. And so David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So fear prevailed in his life again. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate, letting saliva run down his beard. He just acted like he was completely out of his head. Try to defer his identity. So Achish said to his servants, look at this man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I some sort of madman that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? It's like, get out of here. 
And so David takes off. Where does he end up? Chapter 22. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. David ends up in a cave. He ends up in a cave. He essentially had no food, no place to go, nobody to talk to. Blinded by his circumstances, he was now a full-fledged member of the Troglobite tribe. Okay? So you find him in a cave. I want to share with some principles here this morning that I think will be helpful when we think about running. The first one is this. Sometimes we end up in a cave when we are running from something. If you remember the prodigal son, he was running away from his family. He wanted to test the secular world. You remember Elijah, he was running away from Queen Jezebel, and he ends up in a cave. Most of the time when we run, we have fear that's really generating that. And so the question that I have for us this morning is, what are you afraid of? What are your fears? Sometimes I'll sit with pastors and I'll talk to them and say, what, what are your greatest fears? And it's interesting to hear what they have to say. A fear of being irrelevant, fear of the church not growing, fear of failure. All these kinds of fears start coming out. And then we respond to those fears in various ways. It's interesting when we, when we run, uh, we can run in various ways by, by sometimes just keeping busy. You know, people who are just busy, 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 and they're so driven. A lot of times people like that are running from something. They can't slow down long enough maybe to hear what God has to say or to come to grips with something in their life. And so they just go and go and go and go. And there's, there's something in their life that they're just running from. Other times it's sort of maybe a repression perhaps. You know, I, I uh, just recently were counseling uh, with a couple and, and it was interesting how the wife was unable to share her emotions with her husband, which is very, very unusual. But she was running from something because in her growing up years, she was not allowed to share her feelings. And so she didn't dare share her feelings with her husband. So so she was running from this fear of being exposed in her life. I, I don't know what you perhaps might be running from. It might be uh, the fear of death or a financial pressure or disease or responsibility or even running from yourself or somebody's opinions or truth. But we all have a tendency to run sometimes. And usually it's generated by fear. So I want to share with you a principle number two, and that is when we are running, we can find ourselves linking up with all the wrong resources. That's what David did, right? I mean, he started with Jonathan. It was perhaps a good resource, but it wasn't going to be the answer that he needed to hear. And then he goes to the priest. Well, he didn't even hardly have time to explain what he was doing to try to cover for the priest. And so he ran from there. And sometimes we run to the church. And that's not a bad place to run. But that's not necessarily where all the answers are. And then he, of all things, runs to his enemies. Maybe you're running and you are linking up with the wrong resources right now. Well, let's move on in this passage, and you really see some very interesting dynamics that take place. Chapter 22, it says, He comes to the cave. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. you got to be kidding. When we left his brothers, where were they at? You remember his oldest brother when he shows up between the battle of the Philistines and the Israelites? 
And, and, and David's asking, what's going on down here? What's, what's happening here? And his brother says, hey, you young punk, get back to the sheep. You're just a glory seeker. What are you doing here? They were jealous of David. They didn't respect David. He was the young punk. He was the youngest of his brothers. And now all of a sudden, who shows up? His family. Don't you like that? Somehow, over the period of time, as David proved himself as a faithful man of God and a warrior, his family apparently saw that in his life and began to respect him and came alongside him just in his time of need. What a cool thing. But you know, there were some other guys that showed up, and this was an interesting crew. Look at what it says. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gather around him, and he became their leader, about 400 of them. Reminds me of the story with Elijah when he was feeling like he was all alone, and God says, wait a minute, there's 7,000 people who haven't bowed down to Baal. So, you know, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Well, I think the Lord was kind of reinforcing David by saying, look, you're not alone in this deal. There are other people that will come alongside you, even though these are a bunch of malcontents. And the reason why they were malcontents is because these guys were also oppressed from King Saul. There was an incredible tax problem. The people were being overly burdened, and these guys were probably had mortgage and debt that they couldn't repay, and, and they were going to end up in prison. And so these guys just left because it was so oppressive in Saul's kingdom. And so here we find these guys showing up, and these guys were all a bunch of malcontents, and they turned out to be what, what the Bible tells us as David's mighty warriors. But it's fascinating to me to see David, when he's in his cave, these people show up. And this is the third principle I want to share with you this morning. It's often in the cave when you find out who your friends really are. Have you ever noticed that? When you're really struggling... When, when you feel like you've been ostracized or marginalized and you feel like you're all alone and you just can't get it together and you're just struggling big time and you realize sometimes, you know, you really find out who your friends are and who your friends aren't. And this was a case where the family and some ragtag bunch of guys took the risk to align with David and you got to appreciate that. I know that there's been times in my life where I felt all alone and feel, felt like nobody seemed to really care. And, and, and then all of a sudden, somebody comes along beside you and puts his arm around you and say, I'm praying for you, brother. I really understand. I know what you're going through. I'm with you. I'm hanging in there with you. I know it's hard right now. But isn't it great to have those people in your life? But it's really when you're in the cave oftentimes is when that, the real person shows up. The other principle I want to share with you is that caves are often a place where all other resources get exhausted. And I want to share with you that that's a good thing. Because we, we have a tendency to go horizontally when we have a struggle, right? We kind of run to this person, we, come, we try this resource, we try that resource, we try this person and that person, we go to this council and we get as much counsel as we can get, and that's not all bad. But it seems like we end up in a cave when there just seems like there's no other place to go. It's like we're flat on our back and we're looking up at the ceiling like, I, I quit. I got, nothing, I got nothing to do here. I got nothing to share. I've, uh, it's, it's just hopeless. We come to the end of our rope. You know what? That is a wonderful place for us to be. Why? Because principle number five is that instead of the cave being a dead end, 
It's an opportunity to depend. Let's go to Psalm chapter 142 with me this morning. Psalm chapter 142. And you say, why are we going there? Because Psalm 142 is David's prayer when he was in the cave. David was fascinating. What I love about David is is that he let his emotional baggage just kind of gush out of his life. And he did it oftentimes in the Psalms. And so he writes this Psalm in the cave, crying out to the Lord. Look at what he says. He says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, and men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. You know what I love about caves? We pray some of our best prayers when we're in a cave. You notice that? When we're desperate, when we have no place to go, when we just are totally fed up and just have nothing else to offer. I'll never forget one time when I was so discouraged and so frustrated. I just felt like nobody gave a rip and I was all by myself. And I got up at three o'clock in the morning and I was walking down this dark little road up in, in the woods. And I remember crying out to the Lord, God, this, I hate this. I just feel like alone. Nobody cares. Where are you? That was one of the best prayers I ever prayed. Why? Because it was a gut, honest feeling. See, God wants our honesty. He doesn't want our perfection. And this is David. He's crying out. He says, you know what? Nobody cares. And I remember the Lord saying to me, and I probably shared this with you before. He said, if you'd shut up long enough, I'd tell you where I am. (laughs) But, you know, we got to be honest with God. And here's David. He's crying out. He's just gushing out. He says, God, nobody gives a rip. I'm all by myself. And so he says in verse 5, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you're my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Not Jonathan, not the priest, not Gath for all the purposes, but you're my refuge. You're the one I need to put my faith and trust in right now. I've got no other place to go. And I have a hunch that after he prayed this prayer and said amen, his family shows up. We don't know the timing of this, but it just seems like that's probably what God was doing right away, saying, look, not only am I your refuge, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you some some folks to come alongside you, just like he did with Elijah and Elisha. So he cries out and he says, listen to my cry, for I'm a desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they're too strong for me. What? Too strong for you? David, you just fought Goliath. You just fought a bear and... You see how desperate he is? You see how he's diminished? But it's a great place for David to be because David, all he enjoyed was success up to that point. And it was time for David to realize that David cannot do this thing alone. And he's reaching out to the Lord and saying, God, you're my refuge. You're my strength. You're the one that's going to take me through this mess. I'm going to count on you. And so he says in verse 7, set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. I really sense that as he's gushing all of his emotions out, he's reaching almost a place of hope. It's like saying, you know what? 
Now that I think of it, God, you're my refuge, and I know you're going to rescue, you're going to take care of me, and I'm going to be confident in that. And it was just enough for him to take the next step. And sometimes when we get into that dark, dark cave and we can't see out, it's just a point of saying, God, you're just enough for me to take that next step. So principle number six is this. When we are willing to cry out, despair dissipates and hope is restored. When we are willing to cry out, some despair dissipates and hope is restored. The reason I share this message with you this morning is that sometimes, you know, we hate it when we're in a cave. Have you ever noticed that? It's just horrible. But we all need caves in our lives. Amen? We do. Because it teaches us again that we are not as big and as proud as we think we are. And God sometimes puts us in those kinds of situations in our lives so that we do cry out to him, so that we we recognize that we are totally dependent upon him. And he wants that from us. We do far too much on our own without his help and without his power. So maybe some of you need to pray some of those prayers this morning. Maybe you're feeling like, man, life is just so hard right now, and I just can't see past this dark cave that I'm in. I'm blinded by my circumstances. There's just no way out. I've tried a lot of different things, and nothing seems to work. And God, this morning, I'm just going to cry out to you and say, God, I just need you to be my refuge. I need to totally depend on you. So let me just conclude by saying this. What are you running from this morning? What are you afraid of? You know, for some of you, it might be just running from God. God wants your life. He wants your whole life. He wants you to be dependent on him. And you're running from God this morning. And he's saying, time out. I'm here for you. I want to run your life. I want to empower your life. I want to lead your life but you insist on doing it yourself. What resources have you exhausted this morning? What have you tried? Maybe you've tried a a dozen different things and it just seems like nothing's working. And you're even tempted to to look at some of the bad choices in this whole process. And and God's saying, wait a minute. Stop. And let's just help us to realize that A cave-like experience is one of the best ways for God to get our attention and for us to depend on Him. And that's a good place to be, amen? It is. It's hard, but it's a good place because we realize He's God and we're not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for David and his transparency in this psalm. And God, God, I just have a feeling that there's some folks in this room this morning that are having a cave-like experience. It's maybe not even because they've been running. It's just because life has just been very, very difficult. But God, help us to understand what David needed to learn that we can run to friends and we can run to the church maybe and we can run to maybe even the wrong places, but the best place to be 
It's just you and us. And sometimes we just need to be reminded that it's all about you and not about us. And so for that person this morning who's maybe in the cave, God, I pray that they would just cry out just like David. And just give that honest prayer up to you. God, I know you're going to bring people alongside them just like you did David. And you're going to encourage them and you're going to spring forth some new hope. And so I pray that you would do that, whoever that is this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.